0: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our
1: music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode.
2: Greetings once again. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite Christian podcast at least your favorite Christian podcast with myself and Tyler.
0: Are we the best Christian podcast with Colin and Tyler? Unfortunately not.
2: No, there's there's another one somewhere that's even better. But I think it's about, they just rank days of the week and months of the year. I am a history professor, believe it or not, and failed comedian. Mm -hmm. And I'm joined, as always, by Tyler, who is a linguist, which has something to do
0: with... What? Let's see. How much time do I have to break this down? Two seconds. I study. Nope. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh, study. Anyway, <laughs> I, I study full stop. <laughs> <laughs> I study. Um, and Colin and I are both former music leaders in churches. We had titles uh, like worship leader, which uh, we have uh, shed. Yeah. Obviously, we're not doing that anymore, so we wouldn't have it anyway, but we've also eschewed these words for a number of reasons, including the realization that worship is about more than just the music, yeah. which is kind of odd because that then we made a podcast where we analyze music and we called it the worship review. So, yeah. this is a little bit of a, a meta discussion that we're having here, Colin. Yeah. But just, that's not why we're here, is it? Not for today, at least. Today,
2: we are here to evaluate actually we're we're doing christmas music right now and slash advent music for the advent police and yeah. we are today evaluating a song called come thou long expected jesus the version by meredith andrews yeah. And what we like to do on this podcast is to summarize the song, go into detail about the lyrics, think about its content as it relates to theology, scripture, other issues of the Christian faith, and then we provide some concluding thoughts and ultimately a rating for the song out of five of something. We'll see what that rating will be at the end of the episode, but for now, Tyler, let's start off by maybe summarizing the song and talking a little bit about it. This isn't a song that Meredith Andrews wrote. This is a historic song.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty old song, actually, written originally by that great Methodist, hymnist Charles Wesley uh, of the 18th century of Wesleyan fame. And Meredith Andrews is a Nashville-based Christian musician and songwriter. And she was previously associated with Chicago's Vertical Worship, which itself is a, a ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. I did not know that. Yes. I was trying to find a little bit more about her, and unfortunately, her website is just merchandise, so I couldn't okay. find... You know, typically... You could buy things you could, with her name on it or whatever. But... Yeah, and other things, too. Okay. Um, which I won't begrudge anyone right no, now. No, no, no. But... Please donate um,
2: to the Worship Review.
0: <laughs> we need merch, I guess. but <laughs> Otherwise, uh, the ads are going to come, which nobody wants that. No. No. The Wikipedia page for her gave some more background information, but not a ton. And this song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus by Charles Wesley, sung here by Meredith Andrews, meditates, it, it does that clever thing that many Advent hymns do. It meditates on Christ's first coming and on his second coming. Mm-hmm. It looks to the a second coming of Christ, the return of Jesus. And musically, it's interesting because it employs this very heavy syncopation in order to take a hymn, which was originally and is traditionally performed in three quarters time. Come thou long expected one, two, three, Jesus one, two, three, born two, to set... One, exactly she has put it in four she's put it in common time so she's going come thou long expected jesus so she's syncopated it heavily to force it into four four time um and which is good for the kids. Kids love it. They can stomp. Yeah. You can march to it. So all of you Advent marchers, you can march around town. Better
2: for drummers, too. I always hate... So I would occasionally play drums as well, believe it or not, in a couple churches. and uh, You strike me as a drummer. And was it uh, the lack of focus, the <laughs> drug-addled mind? What was it? that? Do I have flakiness? to just choose
0: one? Yeah. <laughs> More, multiple
2: things can be true at one time, Colin. But uh, so I hated... Christmas time because there were so many three three songs, mm-hmm. and you know I don't know drums in three three just it's not as fun. You have to kind of, you have to kind of wiggle some things to get it to work.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of songs that are in three quarter time will effectively be played as six eight. Yeah, so that you can have a four four feel yeah. to a song while still playing it in three. Yeah, three. I played them almost always as six eight. This song is in 4-4, four, four, even though the hymn is traditionally in 3-4, this Wesleyan hymn. And it is meditating and uh, contemplating the advent of Christ initially uh, as he became man. And it also has an addition to it, an addition. And this, I do think, was written by Meredith Andrews about... Uh, Christ drawing the hearts of various people and orchestrating things even as a as a baby. So I'm right. sure we'll have a very interesting um, conversation about that. But then at the end it does turn to the apocalypse. So yeah. The uncovering, if you will. <laughs> you know,
2: sometimes you have to define that word for folks because apocalypse is always associated
0: with Destruction. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for that uh, clarifying point. I just mean the second coming of Christ. Yeah, I mean, you did. You said unveiling. That's, you know, what it is.
2: Exactly. All right. Well, let's get into the first set of words. Yeah. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, release us, let us find our rest in thee. Maybe stop there, Tyler. What do you think?
0: Yeah, so here we learn that Jesus is long-expected, and this is certainly biblical. Israel waited for uh, centuries for a Messiah to come and save it, Uh, and Jesus was born to set his people free. I like this, too. It's quite specific it's it's saying christ was born for a purpose and uh if you're picky you might say well christ was born for his father's glory not uh, for to set the people free but i think in this case um like i said earlier on when i was making a joke it is true multiple things can be true at once and christ was born to free his people from bondage bondage to sin and from the condemnation and wrath that their sin deserved. Mm -hmm.
2: And, And, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and that's really made explicit in this passage, right? Because it's from our fears and sins that we need release. And we also need rest as well in God. So it's a really, again, just four lines, but pretty pretty powerful.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting that, It is not merely fears, because a lot of songs talk about being freed from fear. Yeah. It's not merely sin either, because there are other um, effects that sin has on us, and one of them is is fear. And uh, he is being besought to release us from our fears and sins, so that means we are included in that that people that was set free in that second line. Mark of a really good advent song because there's a
2: reference here to the old testament prophecies and the idea of what we might think of as uh, ethnic israel but also there's a an ambiguity an actual helpful ambiguity which is not always the case in contemporary christian music but this is a helpful ambiguity which intermixes ethnic israel with what we might think of as true Israel or God's Israel, right? The broader people of God who he saves and calls as a people. So it is not just ethnic Israelites who can sing this song, but it is all of us um, who are called by God.
0: Right. Because if it were strictly Israel, Israel being Jacob... We would be in serious trouble because yeah. none of us can trace, or excuse me, not none of us, but few of the contemporary church, just by raw numbers, yeah. could count as their ancestor, Jacob, this Israelites, oh, not, not Israel, this Hebrew. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. And this song continues to use the first person plural, we and us, throughout mm-hmm. the the song. So it's very good. And there's another
2: part here too, which is working in this theme that we're discussing of kind of ethnic Israel and, and God's Israel, and that is about the freedom. So Jesus was expected by many to set Israel free in a political sense, to provide liberation from the Macedonians and then uh, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, Hellenistic Greeks, Macedonian king, etc., cetera, and, and then the Roman Empire. So... Uh, but this is better. What 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 we need freedom for from really is more than just a temporal earthly kingdom. We need freedom from our sin. And we don't just need political liberation, but we need rest.
0: Right? And that is where we're directed. That exactly. freedom is pushed into rest. And yeah, it's tied into all those fears and sins as well because it seems like what we are struggling with is a combination of various things, fears and sins, but we need rest too. It's almost like it's describing a kind of anxious uh, presence or anxious state of being. Or toil,
2: right? Which goes back to the curse at at the very beginning of humanity's existence. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart.
0: Right. So, Jesus, who's identified at the very beginning, is now described. He's given many different names here. Israel's strength and consolation. So, the power of this people and also the comfort of that people. The hope of all the earth. And again, this is including, it's going beyond strictly that uh, ethnic group and that um, essentially theocratic nation state for a time and moving into uh, a a global perspective. Right. This was something that. All the
2: earth. Oh, sorry. You want to finish that thought?
0: Just hope of all the earth. And then thou art, this is not art as the noun, but this is a conjugated form of the verb to be. Just to be clear, yeah, it is not saying Jesus is art. <laughs> That's good. That's good. There would be some
2: iconoclast, I'm sure, among our listenership that be unhappy with that. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, hope of all the earth is a neat one because yeah, you have that transition from God being connected just to a specific people and now being the hope of all the earth, and that Christ is foreshadowed in this way in the Old Testament. We see it in Psalms. We see it even in, uh, in the idea of the whole earth being corrupt as well. So the whole earth needs a hope. So in addition to Adam's sin, we have even like references prior to the flood and after the flood. Uh, so we have Genesis 6, verse 12, where God sees the entire earth, and sees the earth as corrupt. It says all flesh is corrupted on the earth. So the earth needs hope, the whole earth, all the peoples that are in it, even the earth itself needs redemption. And so Christ is the hope of all the peoples of the earth and even the earth itself.
0: And this is echoed right after that too, where uh, Jesus is called the dear desire of every nation. We see this actually in a Small but significant minor prophet Haggai in chapter two, it is written verses six and seven for thus says the Lord of hosts yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory says the Lord of hosts. Mm. In that latter part where um, the Lord says, I will shake the nations, so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in. This is sometimes translated as the desire of all the nations. Ah. And so, when we see in a lot of these Advent hymns, desire of nations, we see that in O Come Emmanuel as well, or dear desire of every nations, it's referencing this minor prophet um, that the desire of all the nations will be brought to the temple. And um,
2: by the way, that's really helpful because if you read it on its face value, you have to ask, yeah. um, you know, is every nation desiring Christ? Well,
0: well, no, certainly not. Not really, right? No. In the King James Bible, this is why mm. we find it in all these old hymns. That verse, Haggai 2.7 is, and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah, it's you fascinating. Can see why people would interpret this as a messianic prophecy.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating because you if you as you as we have done, as you look at older Christian Christmas and Advent hymns, you can see that the King James Bible was clearly the preferred text yeah. for many of these hymn writers because there are these little names and titles that really only appear in that translation.
0: Right. And t- typically, I will use the English Standard Version because yeah, the King here. James Version is not a form of English that is spoken anymore. Yeah. But there are some things that if you are if you want something to sound beautiful and poetic, mm. you will reach for the King James yeah. Bible. And uh, for example, in the Charlie Brown's Christmas, there's a reason why they're reading the King James Bible. And that is because it has this deliberately... Well, now it's a deliberate choice, archaic sound to it. At the time, it was not deliberately archaic, but it has this archaic and poetic vibe, mm. if you will. Sure. To use a millennial word. Yeah. And Jesus is said to be the joy of every longing heart. So uh, this is interesting, I would say. joy. Every heart which longs yeah. ultimately is longing for the fulfillment that only God can give it. Although. Yeah. Most of the time that is not recognized by the one longing it, no. uh, except in the case of, of Christians where we understand what undergirds all those desires. So I think um, I think very, very good verses here.
2: Yeah, and it's nice to have the qualifier longing, you know, because that's, it's not the case that every heart oh boy. Is, finds the joy. Of Christ,
0: right? Well, funnily enough, she repeats this line and says, "Joy of every heart." Did you oh catch my? that? No,
2: I didn't. <laughs> oh boy! oh. <Uh-oh.
1: laughs>
2: Whoopsie.
0: <laughs> so, uh, call it as you were saying, it's really good to have that qualifier yeah, there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I guess half the time at least. Yeah, you can't say joy- Jesus is the joy of every heart. Like, there are hearts that are at active enmity with him. And only those hearts that God has made longing for him will actually find their, their joy in mm. Christ. So, the original hymn before that extemporaneous, we'll call it an error, uh, was better than than what we have in front of us with this Meredith Andrews version.
0: I'll disagree with you here. I think I can read this in light of the line that precedes it, where he's the desire of every nation. And I could make the same argument for you. There are some nations, God even historically has said, this wicked nation will be blotted out, cut them off. And yet in this prophecy, we see that... The desire of all nations will be brought into this temple, and that is not qualified in the text. So in the same way, I think I can say, yeah, Jesus is definitely not the joy of the heart of the wicked. He was not my joy before I became a Christian, for example. And yet, Jesus is the true joy that all hearts do ultimately long for, even if they are corrupted. Funny, I will I
2: will agree with the rules of your disagreement and... <laughs> and disagree? And disagree, because... <laughs> so, I also would say that calling Christ the desire of every nation is kind of problematic. So, it's true that Christ brings salvation to all the world, but yeah, I don't know that we can say that all the nations desire Him. But I like if what you're saying is right about the translation when we're really, by desire, we mean like, well, even then it still doesn't quite fix it. Object of desire or treasure or something like that. It still doesn't quite fix it. So, you know, I don't know. I... Eh. (laughs) Not not 100% happy with this. Okay. this, This bit of text. Fair enough. All right. Let's see if we can agree on the next set of words. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom
0: bring. I love it. I love it. I I was even kind of grunting in agreement with you while you were reading it. (laughs) But yes, we have this past participle, born, being used now with these modifying phrases that give shape to the purpose of the birth, right? Jesus was born to deliver his people. And as we saw in the first couple of stanzas, this is not specifically or not uniquely the sons of Abraham uh, in the literal sense of the ethnic sense, but it's the sons of Abraham in the sense of all who are called and who have faith. And Jesus was born a child. Of course, I don't know other than, you know, maybe Nicodemus right when he's, Probing this question of what it means to be born again, it's a little bit redundant to say he's born a child, but it's obviously meant to be juxtaposed with his status as a a king, a ruler, mm-hmm. and this is the this is prophesied uh, long before his birth in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter nine. It's written in verse seven of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore and um, Jesus was paradoxically both this um, infant in an extremely meager estate mm-hmm. by physical and earthly standards and yet the king of The universe uh, by right reckoning Mm. and he was born to reign in us forever it's just so beautiful that he is he is not just a king like you said earlier in a worldly sense like some kind of political leader who's going to deliver a nation but he's going to reign in the hearts of his people forever as their yes physical king but also spiritual king yeah he doesn't merely reign
2: in a uh in a territory on the earth, but we are in fact the territory in which he reigns, which is pretty festi- you know, pretty astounding where the, we're the manifestation of his kingdom men, which is pretty neat.
0: And that kingdom is mentioned in the next line, right? It mm-hmm. is, he is implored to bring his gracious kingdom, his kingdom, which is built on, on grace. And this is echoing, I think the Lord's prayer where, jesus teaches his people to pray and teaches them to pray for god's kingdom to come and we Mm. see here the advent of christ is that kingdom coming to earth in a very real and for at that time tangible sense these people could touch the creator and king of the universe Mm. with their own hands it's amazing
2: By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone, by thine all sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne.
0: Right. So this is just echoing on what was said before. Um by his spirit, he is going to rule in all our hearts alone. Nothing else will rule in our hearts. And this is obviously referring back to what he said before. Wesley, by he, I mean Wesley, born to reign in us forever. Well, here we're going to find out what that's going to look like. He's going to Rule in all our hearts by his eternal spirit, by the Holy Spirit of God, which does, as we know, uh, since Pentecost, um, indwell us um, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. His merit is what raises us to heaven. It is not our works. It is not our deeds.
2: Yeah. Um, you got that signaled from the very beginning of this set of words. I mean, by the spirit of god so we have an acknowledgement of the crucial work of the holy spirit in bringing about god's kingdom and actually transforming us to be god's kingdom so the holy spirit is acknowledged and as as you rightly note it's not our it's not our merit it's by the merit of christ i really like the i think this is a pretty clever set of words we have again some more purposeful ambiguity here so we have rule in all our hearts alone now, alone could refer to hearts, which it probably does. It's saying rule in our hearts, you know, without any other uh, ruler, right? Rule on your own in our hearts. But then also rule alone in our hearts. You could also, the alone could modify that too. So both of them are really um, nice ideas. So in our hearts alone and rule alone, it's sort of a nice ambiguity there.
0: Yes, and this raising that we learn about, um, I think, comes from the second half of 2 Corinthians 4.14, where we read that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So we are raised with Christ to Mm -hmm. uh, God's glorious throne.
2: All right, then we get into some words that...
0: I think she has added, probably. Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't found these anywhere else. I think these are her edition.
2: So, you draw the hearts of shepherds, you draw the hearts of kings, even as a baby, you were changing everything. You called me to your kingdom before your lips could speak, and even as a baby, you were reaching out for me. Let's start with that, Tyler. Absolutely.
0: So, this is the the verb here, the active verb in this, uh, what what shall we call this, a bridge? Yeah. In this bridge, initially is draw, mm-hmm. and draw to draw is to tug or to pull and so christ jesus pulls the hearts of shepherds and kings he pulls the lowly these mm-hmm. poor laborers shepherds and the powerful the kings yeah. uh, to himself and he's working even as a baby there's something that's so uh, what, what what might you say there's some candor here that is really interesting even as a baby you were changing everything well what does that mean you were changing everything well we see in the next line he's calling me and he's calling other people uh these shepherds and kings to his kingdom so that is the change his kingdom is unlike any other um but before his lips could even speak this is some nice poetry here right because it's using irony
2: in a way right a baby can't speak Right, And yet, if the baby is Christ, who is the Messiah, who is calling a people as the lyrics of the song have already outlined, then he's already doing the work of
0: calling, even though he doesn't speak as a baby. Yeah. And I think I would, maybe this is where I will be a little bit picky. I would say we were called from time eternally sure. past. So. It is not the case that he was born, and then as a baby, he's lying in the manger and decides to call people to himself in that moment. Sure. Um, although, and this is just extemporaneous thought here, Colin, although the um, the shepherds and the magi are called in that moment, these wise men and the shepherds, they mm-hmm. are called um, to Bethlehem at the moment of Christ's birth. And so – Um. I will qualify it with that, but perhaps I'm being too, perhaps I'm being way too particular about this. You, it is the case that as a baby, Christ is Lord of all and is actively orchestrating the workings of the universe. Yeah, I think
2: it's worth looking at the the verbs here. So uh, that last bit. So um as a baby, you were changing everything, so we have it in, you know, sort of active, ongoing, you know, so it's not that things started changing when he was a baby, but they were changing while he was a baby. Um, you called me to your kingdom before your lips could speak. Now, before Christ's lips could speak, okay. That's true. You know what I'm, it you what I'm saying? It defines a vector with yes. the point
0: at the lips, and it right. moves Indefinitely backwards. Exactly. So that sure.
2: actually works. Yep. And then we have, even as a baby, you were reaching. So we can have that active, um, ongoing mm-hmm. sense of the verb. So God was reaching out for us as a baby. Christ was reaching out, and he was, and before and after, right? So it's mm-hmm. a continuous process of reaching. So to me, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with the way that this song portrays it. And I think, you know if she was being sloppy could have very easily run into the error that you mentioned earlier but I I do think she probably avoids it here
0: okay yeah I think that's fair absolutely okay. fair and
1: now-
2: All right, let's get to the second half of what we're calling a bridge. And now we are awaiting the day of your return when every eye will see you as heaven comes to earth. Until the sky is opened, until the trumpet sounds, the bride is getting ready, the church is singing out.
0: Wow. Okay, so this is the aspect of the song that most clearly points to Christ's second coming. That, yeah. is, that is clearly what is being referenced here. The day of your return. When every eye will see you, um, I can almost hear in my head, in heaven and on earth and under Mm -hmm. the earth, and every tongue confess, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, Every eye will see you as heaven comes to earth. I think this is Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem descending Mm -hmm. from heaven. Um, But also, of course, we saw this at the initial incarnation too, right? This is also heaven coming to earth Mm -hmm. in a sense. Until the sky is opened, until the trumpet sounds, heralding Christ's second coming, Um, the bride is getting ready. The bride here is the church of God. We see this in Revelation chapter 19, um, where I'll read verses 6 through 9. Then I heard, this is John speaking, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints." And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So this is referencing that marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm. The church is singing out, the bride herself is singing out, awaiting this union, which is what a marriage is.
2: Yeah. And just to give uh, listeners a visual image of the sincerity (laughs) with which Tyler read those words, as he was reading that passage, he was pounding the armrests on his chair much like Dwight Schrute in his speech
1: <laughs> to the
2: uh, Dunder Mifflin salesman when accepting a major award it was it was pretty similar
1: we are warriors <clears throat> salesmen of northeastern pennsylvania i ask you once more rise and be worthy of this historical hour <laughs> yeah. 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 no revolution is worth anything unless it can defend itself
0: well i have been compared to dwight Schrute before yeah. and it will happen again i'm Do you sure you have a
2: reading from like the communist manifesto or something <laughs> that you'd like to add or mein kampf oh <laughs> or some no. other inappropriate reading
0: <laughs> zero out of two on that <laughs> <is Colin. laughs> keep trying <laughs> All right. So, uh,
2: yeah, I I would just agree with you. This really wraps up the song nicely as an Advent song. We wait for the return of Christ, which is just as sure and steady as the first coming. It's, It's just a nice little bow on the song. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: So, Tyler, what are your concluding thoughts? This is a scriptural song with many references to Christ's first coming, a look toward Christ's second coming, and just many praiseworthy aspects in this song, just little nuggets that point to scriptural scenes and prophecies and all, I mean, prophecies from the past and also revelations, which themselves are from the past, but mm. which describe future events. So I think a very good song to sing yeah. at Advent. What do you think?
2: I, I love it. I, I like the original words. I, I think her additional words are are great too. I mean, the, these are, um, these are powerful reflections on the v- pretty clear truths that are outlined in the in the earlier words uh, an excellent excellent advent message. Tyler what did you give the song as a rating?
0: Beautiful. I'm going to give it 5 out of 5. Pinecones. Why pinecones? Yeah, why pinecones? What am I, I- thinking? Well, here's what I'm thinking, Colin. Let me tell you what you're thinking, and then answer your rhetorical question with my answer. There's a lyric video for this on YouTube. There's two different videos of this uh, that are right. very prominent. Okay. One of them is a live performance of her, yeah. Uh, and the other one is a lyric video. And the lyric video is full of all of these little, uh, what might you call them? Like decor items. Yeah. You know, I see some some well, mistletoe. It looks and... like
2: a Target ad. Let's just
0: let's just call okay. it what it is. Yeah. There's there's. Um, mistletoe, their little pine needles, pine cones, and I just thought um probably none of this was around <laughs> at uh, Christ's first coming, but no. at least not I I mean obviously here it was where we're recording this, but not in um the ancient near east, but no. um yeah, I just thought it was funny we had all these basically American Christmas um decor surrounding this uh, story. Okay. So, which is just like what you find in so many churches where at Christmas time, they like decorate with poinsettias and, uh, which is obviously a new world plant, um, wreaths of, um, uh, conifers all Mm -hmm. around their, uh, their sanctuaries and just stuff like that, where you think, well, I, I, I'm not going to complain about that. I I don't want anyone to think I'm grumbling about this. Obviously Mm. people can be festive and happy and I'm not going to make a big stink, but it's just funny when, when it, uh, it just looks very different than what your mental image of the scene would have been. Colin, what did you give this? Uh
2: you know, I waffled a lot on this. I had kind of a thought when I you came like in. Look like a waffle. Yeah. You're a waffler. I I I am a bit waffle-ish.
0: Waffly? What is the adjective form of waffle?
2: Uh wafflick? Yeah. Uh, waffly? Waffly. Okay. Yeah. Um I I was being waffly and uh and I thought okay, I had the had a rating when I came in. And I was like uh, uh Went back anyway. So, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and give it five out of five Advent police stamps of approval (laughs) because, in my view,
0: you're the Advent police checkpoint that everything is. This is
2: excellent in terms of Adventiness,
0: (laughs) okay? And you're gonna let the uh joy of every heart extemporaneous comment slide,
2: yeah? That's that was kind of the thing. It's like, okay, what should I do with that? And... I think I'll let it slide. I, you know, it's, if they, if we had a four point five, this would get a four point five, but we don't
0: because yeah, we're don't. serious
2: p- people. Well, you know,
0: I, I just don't want to introduce more complexity to no. an already complex situation. No, it, it's, it's bonkers. so so we're
2: we're going to stop the chaos and we're just going to stick to one, two, three, four, five.
0: Okay, five.
2: And five. It's going to be. You have survived another episode <laughs> of the worship review. Congratulations. If yes. you're if you would like please feel free to follow us on Twitter tell your friends about this podcast and just continue to listen and enjoy it and hopefully it is an ongoing reference that is of use to you mm-hmm. we hope you have a great rest of your week we'll see you next time God bless you bye bye